All right, we're going to pray. God, thank you for the chance to, to get together and to dig into your word as we continue this series on, on sifting uh, the things this world teaches us and shows us, and sifting it through your word to see uh, the things that we can take from it and apply it to our lives and the things that uh, we need to get rid of. God, may we just see that tonight and um, see that there are some things that we can keep and some things that we need to get rid of in each of these things. God, may we just learn to sift uh, everything we come across in the world through, uh, through your word. Amen. All right. So this is week five of six. Uh, this one is self-love. And we live in a time where self-love is of utmost importance, right? Now, I understand, uh, you know, why people are going to this conclusion of self-love. You know, anxiety and depression are, are probably no strangers of yours. I know so many people struggle with uh, their mental health. With feeling at home in the body God gave them with being content and happy. They just struggle with those kinds of things. You know, we want those things. We want to be happy. But we want to like, you know, how our body is and just the things about us, right? Maybe many of you in this room feel like something is missing. And people will tell you, if only you loved yourself more, then you would be happy. You know, I'm saying this with the utmost gentleness as someone who has struggled with Liking the way I look, because I'm not a huge fan of this. I mean, I'm, there's no reason to be a fan of this. I'm not, I don't love the way I look sometimes. And learning to accept that I have flaws without condemning myself, right? So I'm saying that from that perspective. You know, I've battled some of those things. I, if, is self-love the cure for me? Are we able to lift ourselves out of our struggles by loving ourselves more? So today as we continue our series, Sift, I want to generally look at the common phrase of self-love and sift it through the gospel and see what parts of it we should keep and what parts are better tossed away. So I want, I want you guys to thrive. I want you guys to be the best that God has made you to be. Let's so turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. We've been in 2 Peter this entire time. Because I, I want you to see God's great love for you. And I want you to know how deep, you know, know how deep down that he has a plan for your life. Bless you. I want you to step into the giftings that he has given you using the experiences that you've had. And by the direction of the Holy Spirit, go into the world and bring him great glory. And I don't want you to be led astray or tricked into adopting a belief into your worldview that is unfulfilling or destructive or simply just untrue. So we're going to look at God's word together and see what Peter had to say to the early church in 2 Peter 2 and see... What we might glean from it about whether self-love is or is not a good thing. So 2 Peter, starting in verse 1. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter, I said chapter 2, did I? It's chapter 1, my bad. Apologies, chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and the knowledge of self-control, and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For these qualities 
are yours and are increasing to keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So, so what is Peter communicating there? He, you know, you will endure many trials for a little while, but be truly glad because there is wonderful joy ahead for you guys. What else? You, you, you have an inheritance. Some good things that you're about to receive in heaven that can't be taken away or destroyed. Uh, and even though you will, you will experience trials, um, God will protect you by His power to the day He takes you to be with Him in heaven. And in other words, nothing can take away the hope that you have. Nothing that happens to you on earth can steal your future. And even though you are rebellious and inconsistent and prone to wander away from God because of his great mercy for you, you are a new creation because of Jesus. And God knows your every imperfection, every flaw, every wicked thing you ever thought, and your deepest, darkest secrets. Yet, he shows you his love for you on your worst day and was willing to take the punishment that you deserved on the cross. Not only did he get you out of the death you deserved, but he has also adopted you into his family and made you his beloved child. Not only did he get you out of the death that you deserved, but he also has adopted you into his family and made you his beloved child. And you guys are thinking about that. That's pretty it's big stuff. I just want to sit there for a second. Because you are precious to God. You're loved by the one who invented math and science and art and nature and beauty and love and hope and joy. He, God, is your identity. It's not found in your appearance. It is not found in your achievements. It is not found in the approval someone has of you. It is not found in your desires. It is not found in your emotions. It is not found in your friendships. It is not found in how well you behave or do religious things. Your identity is found in God alone. So based upon the scripture that we read about, in 2 Peter 1, we're going to sift the idea of self-love. Because it sounds like there may be a better love than the one that we can give ourselves, right? So the first thing we're going to start with is God's authority. Because God is the creator of all things. He defines the laws of physics and also the laws about value and identity because he is the one who created those things, right? Yes? Makes sense. We don't get to define ourselves. God defines us. He, he has the authority to do that. If I held the earth from spinning just a degree differently, then I would have that authority. But I don't. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis 1.27 that we are made in the image of God. Anything good in us it reflects our Creator. And God ultimately proved our value by sending Jesus to die on the cross to bring us back to Him. That's 1 John 4, 9 and 10. And the Bible is clear that we are treasured by Him. That's Luke 12, 7 
Psalm 139 and Romans 5.8. And probably many more. So instead of trying to prove to ourselves that we are lovable, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us what God has already spoken over us. Because we are His. A lot of times we can look into a mirror and not really like what we see. We can look into the mirror and be like, man, I wish I were this. I wish I were better. I wish I was different in some way. But we need to understand and to realize that He has already spoken over us that we are His and we are loved. So because of this broken and fallen world, right? we had that in the fall of Genesis chapter 3. Because of this, this broken and fallen world, mental health conditions, they exist that cause us to doubt our value and to inflict suffering. According to, uh, to Psych Central, you know, these are the ways to love yourself. Saying positive things to yourself is a way to show self-love. Forgiving yourself when you mess up. Meeting your own needs. Being assertive. Not letting others take advantage of or abuse you. Prioritize your health and well-being. Spending time around people who support you and build you up and avoiding people who don't. Asking for help. Letting go of grudges or anger that hold you back. Again, these are things that show how to show yourself self-love. Recognizing your strengths. Valuing your feelings. Making healthy choices most of the time. Living in accordance with your values. Pursuing your interests and goals. Challenging yourself. Holding yourself accountable. Giving yourself healthy treats. Accepting your imperfections. Setting realistic expectations. And noticing your progress and effort. To some degree, those are really just concepts of, that the Bible calls being wise. Being smart. I would encourage you to do a lot of those things that I just read. As we see up the idea of self-love, I don't see these things as things that will get filtered out as we sift through God's Word. I encourage you, like I said, to do most of those things. But I think it's just that without the complete picture of God's love for you, His authority over your identity, and knowing that doing all these things won't fix you, it's an incomplete picture of what we're called to do. For some of you in this room, because of a variety of factors, you bear the burden of depression. And it's just an all-out battle for your heart to understand your worth. Now, maybe please seek trauma-informed Christian counseling. It's okay. Please let someone help you get to the root of that problem. And if need be, along with your parents and trusted healthcare professionals, maybe consider you know, medication or other holistic ways of getting your brain to where God created it to be. Now, please don't let this message be a burden to you. Instead, ask the Holy Spirit if and where you are finding your value in things outside of what God is calling you and telling you who you are. Next piece of, of the world's brand of self-love that is half-baked is that being valuable to God is different than all of our desires being valid. The reason Jesus had to go to the cross was because our heart is deceitful above all things. That's what Jeremiah 17 says. That's why I hate the phrase, follow your heart. The Bible tells us our heart is deceitful. Don't follow it because you're stupid. I'm stupid too, right? That's me. Not, don't follow your heart because that's it's it's dumb and it's going to seek selfish things. And then James one fourteen says our sinful desires have dragged us away from Him, Him being Jesus. You know our culture is highly individualistic and it believes 
Truth is relative. We've already looked at that already in this series. This means that everyone will tell you that if you want to be happy, you need to show some self-love and embrace your deepest desires fully. That suppressing your deepest desires is not being true to yourself. You're not living your best life. You're not doing what you want to do. But the danger of focusing solely on self-love is that God doesn't want you to accept your sins. That's what the danger is of that. Because we forget the crucial difference between Christ's invitation to come as you are and the unbiblical invitation to stay as you are. Yes, God wants you to come to Him just as you are, right? Yes, this is important that you understand this. Shake your head if you understand. If you don't, shake your head this way. God wants you to come to Him as you are. Well, he, doesn't, he, he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He doesn't want you to stay as you are. He wants you to become more like him, to draw and press into him, and just to rest, right? I mean, so that's what, that's, that's what this is saying, that you know, he wants you to come as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. That is not a biblical teaching of staying as you are. He wants you to become more like him. The Bible teaches that celebrating our desires won't bring about the satisfaction that our souls long for. Our desires instead point to our need for Jesus. And really and truthfully, self-love will let you down. This philosophy promises that if you look inward and you can find a way to love what you see, you're going to find peace. But due to our massive shortcomings, we cannot find satisfaction in ourselves. The philosophy of self-love is based on the idea that humans are fundamentally good and lovable. That's not true. We're sinners, right? Yes, if you don't think you're a sinner, come talk to me. I will tell you that you are a sinner. I'll do it in a loving way. I mean, I'm, you know, we, we're all, since we all screwed up, there's, there's no hope for us. That's what's called total depravity. We have no chance because we're all sinners. That's just, it's part of who we are now. Loving ourselves is not enough. We may still feel depressed. Even though we're going to show self-love, we may still feel depressed and, and, and not happy with who we are. It might bring a temporary relief, but it cannot compare to the overwhelming relief of true love and acceptance by God as redeemed people through Jesus. You know, some people might bring up the verse where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Right, that's, that's, that's cropping up a lot um, in our culture today. You know, love... Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. It might say to first develop a high sense of self-esteem, and then, and then, only then, will you be able to be of any use in loving other people. Jesus is not commanding self-love in this passage. Because he assumes that it's just a default position. When we are hungry, we get something to eat, correct? Right? Like when I'm hungry, I go get something to eat. Teenage guys, when you're hungry, you go get something to eat, and then 12 minutes later, you're hungry again, you go get more to eat. When you're hungry, you get food to eat. That's self-love. Jesus was commanding that we treat other people as well as we treat ourselves. Scripture never commands us to love ourselves. Let's assume that we already do because we're selfish and narcissistic people. In fact, until we die and go to heaven, all people will probably love themselves too much. That's our problem. We want to be our own God. And self-love is already deeply rooted within every human man. And we all love ourselves a lot anyways. In self-love, it can distract from Jesus' command to love and serve others in a sacrificial way. 
If you're focused only on self-love and making sure you're taken care of, you won't allow yourself to be uncomfortable or inconvenienced by the needs of your classmates, little siblings, your parents, your neighbors, teammates, people in poverty, strangers across town, anybody. Has anybody ever seen the movie from the early 2000s called Freaky Friday? Anybody seen Freaky Friday? Like, well, two people have seen Freaky Friday. Oh, my gosh. Stars Lindsay Lohan. Uh, anyways. So, in this movie, in this movie, a, a mom and her teenage daughter refuse to try to understand where each other is coming from. They can't get along. So, they read a fortune cookie that said, when, you, when what you see is what you lack, selfless love will change you back. Your acts of love and service and selflessness towards others are a way that God wants to make you look more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another thing about self-love is that we are not legalistic. To be a Christian does not mean to be a martyr and put yourself down in the name of selflessness. It also doesn't mean correcting someone when they say, I'm showing myself self-love today. You don't like yell at them and berate them for that. We shouldn't be legalistic. We should be like, you need to stop it. The Jesus way is simply thinking of ourself less often. I think C.S. Lewis had a quote, something like that. We can't do that by trying harder or focusing on things ourselves or thinking of ourselves less. But instead through simply coming to Jesus. Because Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants you to rest. I mean, this is our entire focus of our lesson last week. The, the importance of rest. And finally, ask the Holy Spirit to align your values with His. Because, <coughs> excuse me. God wants to make you more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the results of being close to the Holy Spirit are the nine fruit of the Spirit you, you learn as a child. Right? Like, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You guys can say that loud. I know you guys know this. You went to VBS and stuff. I know you know it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not a banana, right? We know that song. We grew up in church. If you grew up in church, you know that song. You don't get the fruit by, by trying hard to be selfless. Set your eyes on Jesus and ask for those Holy Spirit fruit, and he will put them in you. I found a great example about changing a worldly desire for self-love into a gospel-centered view of self. I found this story, so I'm just going to read it to you guys. Eleanor, a college student, is so tall that every time she stands in front of the mirror, she either laments or curses what she sees. In fact, she becomes so distraught that she starts to avoid contact with people. She becomes a recluse, a dismal, depressed, sour young woman. She loses all motivation for study and friendship and starts to fail in her schoolwork. Then she's encouraged to talk her problem over with me. And this is a, a Christian counselor who's writing this. When I found out the problem, what should my goal be? My goal is not to cultivate her self-love or positive self-image. To be sure, I would have nothing against her coming to like being tall, but that I regard as a superficial goal unworthy of a Christian counselor. My goal is to transform her values, namely to diminish the value she puts on height. I would try to convince her that a treasure is in the wrong place and that her heart is therefore starved because it was created to relish something greater than outward appearance. I would not try to convince her that she is not really all that tall or that people like tall girls or even that she should like her tallness. 
Instead, I would try to create in her a new hierarchy of values which would knock physical beauty out of its reigning position. The value I would seek to instill in its place is the surpassing value of knowing Christ, or better, of being loved by Him. More specifically, I would try to get her to cherish above all things on earth the promise that for those who love Him, God works all things together for their good. That's Romans 8.28. I would seek to kindle a happy confidence in the ability and will of God to turn even her awkward height for her eternal benefit. So what is love? Love the Hathaway song. What is love? God is love. In Jesus, he sacrificed all his heavenly comforts to come to this earth, live a perfect life, and die a terrible death in our place. In those hours, he was not eating chocolate out of a self-care love package he made for himself. He was sacrificing the comfort he deserved for us. And who are we? We're treasured people. Children of God who once were chained to selfishness, but by the power of the Holy Spirit are transformed to self-forgetfulness for the glory of God. We are free from having to prove anything to anyone, including ourselves, because we are His. And we can't make ourselves happy. Only God can truly satisfy our hearts. No amount of loving our deepest selves will soothe the soul. Our deepest self is, is broken and in love with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking always and forever love that God has. You know, all the self-love talk, it isn't bad. Some of those things I read to you guys, I encourage you to do some of those things. You don't need to throw it all away. We just need to remember to sift those things through the Word of God to see what we need to keep and what we need to get rid of. I'm going to pray and close this. And as I do, I'm going to have the praise team come up. We're going to sing a couple songs and then do our, our small groups together. May we understand and realize that our identity is, uh, is you, and it's rooted in you. It's not about us. It's not that we can't choose our identity, that we can't choose those things, God, but it's, our identity is found in you and you alone. As the one who created us, the one who loves us, God, may we see that some of these things that we read is, are, are good to do and uh, could help us just to uh, stay positive and, and, and and maybe help others, God. But those things, we need to make sure we sift through and according to your word. And we don't lose focus on you as our, as our identity, as where our values place, God. May we truly focus on you and not us. God, you are that source of joy. In my prayer. Amen.